This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Sophie Ridge began the morning by interviewing the Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab. Ridge sought Raab's response to the so-called Beergate affair, which is now embroiling the Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer. Durham Police have now said they will investigate the incident, and a leaked Labour Party document has since thrown further aspersions on the work event that took place at the end of April 2021. Do you think that Keir Starmer needs to resign now that he's being investigated by the police, which is what he said uh, Boris Johnson, of course, and Rishi Sunak should do? Sophie, it's the rank double standards that drives people crazy. He needs to fess up and answer all of the... Um, holes in the account that he gave of that beer and curry uh, event in Durham. But frankly, I'm not focused on that, and that's why I wanted to draw the contrast. What we're focused on, what this government is focused on, is the measures we're taking on the economy, on tech, on the agricultural sector, our farmers, brilliant innovation to be done there, financial services to drive up the well-paid jobs of the future. But also, and this is where only the Conservatives offer, a plan for a dynamic economy that doesn't just create the jobs, but the tax revenue to support people this difficult Does time. Keir Starmer need to consider his position? I'm not getting into all that because, frankly, I'll tell you the thing I heard on the doorstep loud and clear, they want politicians focused on their issues, okay. not Westminster. Okay. Uh, but what I would say about it is Keir Starmer looks like, I'm afraid, uh, someone who's gauged in complete hypocrisy, complete double standards. And I don't think he's going to get past that until he gives a proper account of what happened in Durham. Okay. In other political news, the results from the local elections are in and the Conservatives have ended up shedding almost 500 councillors across Great Britain. Ridge asked Raab for his take on his party's performance, confronting him with the benchmarks set in the Daily Mail's pre-match analysis. Uh, this is uh, the Daily Mail. Uh, this is what would success look like at the local elections for the Conservatives and Labour. And you can see there in the top left corner, more than 350 losses they're clocking up as a disaster for the Conservatives. Yes, but look, what people vote in a set of midterm local elections and what they vote when you choose a government in general election are two wholly different things. I, I'm and, accepting and everyone... that, but the, the, this, is, this is what the Daily Mail claim that would be a disaster it, for, in these local elections for the Conservatives. Mm. What, what would be the word you would use to describe them? Mixed bag. Well, a mixed bag, challenging. Mixed bag? Yeah. You're a bit complacent here. Well, no, I, I, I'm... I'm Sophie, I'm not. I'm pointed to the areas where we've done better than expected. Um, even in London, which was a very difficult set of results for us, there's areas like the Croydon Merrillty, um, there's areas like um, Harlow, uh, where we've uh, 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 and, and, and other areas where where actually it's, it, it has been uneven. Uh, I, I don't think you can take uh, a, a um, single view other than to say London under Keir Starmer looks very much a metropolitan party, which has got appeal in London, but not beyond to the rest of the country. This set of elections also mark the first time that Sinn Féin have topped the poll for the Northern Ireland Assembly, meaning Sinn Féin's Michelle O'Neill will now be the candidate for First Minister. However, power-sharing rules require the DUP to take part in the new executive, and they are not minded to do so without major changes to the Northern Ireland Protocol. Sophie Rayworth asked Rob about what the government planned to do to smooth things over. 
second, I think what the people in Northern Ireland, the message they've sent is uh, they want some stability. So we need to try and get the executive up and running. We need to bring the parties together. I know um, uh, Brandon Luce very focused on all of that. At the same time, there is clearly this problem. We've talked about it now for weeks and months. We've set out our proposals and we're going to have to fix the problem with Northern Ireland Protocol. That cannot be put off. It has hurt communities across the board, uh, no matter what their uh, background, and it is clearly now uh, holding back the stability that we want to see. Brought. How are you going to do that then? Well, I, we've set out proposals in a command paper. I've talked on this show previously about those. Uh, we've had some uh, constructive engagement uh, from the EU, but not enough to solve the problem. And we've been very clear uh, that we can't let matters uh, lie there. We, we can't let matters rest there. Um, so we'll be taking forward further uh, action. I mean, ultimately, nothing is off the table, but we need to fix Northern Ireland Protocol to provide the very stability that I thought was brought out uh, by your clip there. But the DUP don't want it fixed. They want it scrapped. It needs to be solved. The, the, the fact is it's not working the way it should have uh, and could have uh, been made to work with the right goodwill, pragmatism, flexibility. Uh, and we cannot have, uh, if you like, uh, the disruption that we've seen to trade flows between Northern Ireland and the rest of Great Britain and the impact that that has on the constitutional integrity of the UK. That is itself uh, what is putting at risk the Good Friday Agreement, the Belfast Agreement, and we've now got to fix it. Ridge also spoke to the Shadow Leveling Up Secretary, Lisa Nandy. Beergate was an inevitable topic of conversation and Ridge asked for the case for the defence for Keir Starmer's conduct. But I, I am struggling to understand why nobody will engage in this legitimate question when Keir Starmer is literally under investigation by the police. If you're so confident, I understand that. You know, if Labour says, look, there was, we're absolutely confident no rules were broken. If they were, of course they'll resign. But, you know, why don't you just be clear on what that is? I don't understand. Because it lends legitimacy to something that is completely and utterly absurd, that is a desperate attempt by the government to deflect from the fact well, that we've got the highest inflation rate in a desperate. generation and people are struggling to survive. And I'm just, I'm not going to entertain it because I'm absolutely confident that no rules were broken, not least because this was investigated last time the Conservatives tried to sling mud at us and Keir Starmer was found to be completely in the clear. This is a guy who self-isolated six times during the pandemic. I don't know a single other person who did that. He is Mr Rules. He does not break the rules. He was the director of public prosecutions, not somebody who goes round tearing up rules when it suits him. In stark contrast to the Prime Minister, I have to say, I think this desperate attempt to sling mud will fall flat, but I think we'll see more of this as we get closer to a general election be because very, um, the one thing that the Conservatives don't want to talk about is what is actually happening to people easiest, in this country right now. And that's what we're way. focused on. Rayworth challenged the Liberal Democrat leader, Sir Ed Davey, over why he seemed so reluctant to commit to a coalition with Labour after the next general election, but without much success. If the share that you and the Labour Party got in this election did translate into a general election, you both together have enough seats to form a government. So are you going to go into coalition with the Labour Party? You're asking me to think about two years ahead. Oh, it's not um, very long, you know Well, that. it could be two and a half years ahead. And, and as I said earlier, I'm not going to take voters for granted. I have a job to do, and that is to hold this wretched government to account Would on the co on their appalling econ economic uh, measures, they're failing to help people, and, and on you're their not health answering, service. And you're not answering my question because you're talking. It's a hypothetical one coming no, out two years ahead. No, but it's about getting you. You have done very well in the local elections. It's about getting back into power, which must be your ambition, your goal. So, in order to do that, you know you'd have to go into coalition with the Labour Party. 
Would you be prepared to do that? Well, you're right to say that I am ambitious for the Liberal Democrats, our values, our principles. Um, I want to make sure that we get rid of this Conservative government. I completely agree with you that I think Boris Johnson is an indecent Prime Minister. I didn't, uh, I didn't and, say that, to and, be and, fair. And, I said and, you wanted to get into uh, government, but, but, but in how are you going to do it well, if to you do, don't to do go that, into coalition well, with Labour? Uh, first of all, we have to beat Conservative MPs. We have to get this Conservative government out. And what was great about our results on Thursday was in target seats for the next general election in Wimbledon, in Eastern Walton, in Cheadle, uh, in Wokingham. You saw Liberal Democrats making advances. And if we make those advances at the next general election, we will topple lots of Conservative MPs. We'll get the Conservatives out of Downing Street. What happens after that can, what can frankly wait. That's hypothetical. It's two and a half years away. It's not that but, I, I but it's am, something I, you must consider. Uh, well, I'm considering about how we hold this appalling government to account and how we defeat Conservative MPs in the next election. And finally, Ridge spoke to Yuka Sukosari, Finland's ambassador to the UK, about the prospect that Finland might join NATO. Are you confident that if you did apply to join NATO that you would be accepted? Uh, reports that the Croatian president saying that he would actually veto uh, any application. We are following very carefully the discussion in different NATO countries and, and embassies, including my own have been tasked to find out what the political climate in each and every member state is. For the part of the UK, I can say, and that was uh, also uh, re repeated by Tom Tugendhat just a couple of minutes ago, that uh, the, the British support is very clear. So we have absolutely no, no concerns about, about Britain whatsoever. Each member state, and, and there are 30 of, of those in, in NATO, is, is a case of its own. And of course, we are looking at each and every one of them, at, but at the moment, I wouldn't say that we have particular concerns of, of any of them. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffeehouse Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>